So we draw close to the end of Vasa. As we know, really the practice doesn't change whether entering the rains, leaving the rains. The path of practice, the Dhamma Vinaya doesn't change. The message is much the same. Abandon evil, cultivate the good, purify your mind. Our teacher Ajahn Chah used to always say it doesn't really make any difference for him inside the Vasa, outside the Vasa still practicing just the same as before. You would have to be like that. Practice couldn't be some something so narrow that we only do it at certain times and not at others. He always emphasized developing an evenness in the practice, continuity, his favorite phrase, patibat rei you keep doing it, keep practicing, whatever the conditions, whatever's going on. Sometimes he'd explain that in terms of the apanaka, Patipata, the practices that are never wrong. Indriya Sangwara, sense restraint, composure. Bhojane Matanyuta, moderation in the consumption of food and other requisites. Chakaryanu Yoga, dedication to to practice and to wakefulness. So developing these aspects, these qualities in an even, continuous way <coughs> in all four postures so that we don't just see practice as sitting with our eyes closed alone, only that. Practices sitting, standing, walking, lying down, every posture is part of the practice. So that when we finish sitting meditation, we get up and walk away, and that becomes the next part of the practice. So we see how the Vinaya training, the core what, and the monastic form the training rules, the practices, the schedule, the routine, all support an evenness of practice. We use the Vinaya to become mindful 
in different situations, different times, becoming mindful of our rules and the appropriate practice as we're eating, as we're moving around the monastery, as we're relating to other people, to other monks, senior monks, junior monks, to lay people, everything has guidelines in the Vinaya to help bring up mindfulness and an evenness in our practice. Developing what they call Sati Vinayo, mindfulness of the Vinaya is a way to develop mindfulness and awareness continuously. Developing mindfulness in all postures, so even as we're lying down, getting up in the morning, we establish mindfulness. Walking meditation, very important. Meditation isn't just sitting meditation, it's also walking. The benefits, the five benefits of walking meditation that the Buddha praised as it makes one strong and patient with the conditions and difficulties of travel. So one gets used to walking meditation for longer periods, being mindful, helps one in traveling. Helps one to be patient and energetic in the practice itself facing difficulties, obstacles in the practice. Walking meditation brings up that. It's beneficial for overcoming illness, different kinds of illness, bodily dysfunction, disease. Makes us strong, makes us fit. helps with the digestion of food. That food that we've eaten is digested properly. Walking meditation helps that so that we get the full nutritional benefit from that food. And lastly, he said, the samadhi that one gains through walking meditation lasts a long time. Because one's developed that samadhi with one's eyes open, moving around. So it won't necessarily be disturbed as one moves off into other activities. And these five benefits in his great wisdom shouldn't overlook them. They can bring us physical and mental advantages, good health, physical health, mental health. and certainly helps with the evenness and continuity of practice. We can't spend all our time sitting. We walk, we move around the monastery, we do chores and so on, and we do walking meditation. Developing sense restraint and learning to 
consider how we're using our senses, what we're looking at, what we're hearing, tasting, touching, smelling. Just becoming more mindful of sense contact and how the senses and the are working, how the mind is going out through the senses and often just seeking distraction through the senses, getting involved and in, interested in thing, things through the senses, but not always are those things giving rise to wholesome dhammas. So sense restraint <coughs> means both bringing up mindfulness uh, with our sense contact and also considering how much sense contact, sense, how much we use the senses and where we use them, what we look at and how much we use the eyes to look, what are the results of what we're looking at on the mind. What are the impressions on our own mind from looking at things, from hearing things, tasting things? We have to learn from our senses. They're our teachers. So we can't expect to always shut them off and be sitting in a dark room with our eyes closed, not hearing or sensing anything all the time. Sometimes that's possible, but much of our life we are using the senses. There is sense contact, but we have to learn how to develop a wise attitude to our senses and to know the dangers that come through unrestrained use of the senses. Just letting the mind wander here and there, unrestrained, unguided to learn how to look after it, watch over it. Because of all the stimulation that comes back from the senses to the heart, meaning the mind, the mind, the center of all the six senses. Everything passes back down to the mind, all the information we absorb. So if it's giving rise to unwholesome dhammas, then we have to learn how to be wise and sometimes limit what we're looking at, what we're hearing, tasting, touching. Before we can do that, we also have to just know what's going on. What are we doing with our senses from moment to moment through our day? Start looking and investigating. And this is the heart of the practice of mindfulness and sila, vinaya, is to protect, look after our minds through protecting the, the senses and guarding the senses. And to do this well, we have to appreciate the effects our sense contact has on the mind. Start learning and looking and learning what's going on. And if you start to see your mind as your most valuable resource, the most valuable thing you have, 
that which is valuable and worth something you want to look after then you start to see what might bring danger or harm to the mind you see all our senses are feeding back down to the mind and affecting it it's absorbing all those impressions and stimulating through perception and feeling arising stimulating the mind and affecting it affecting its character, its nature over time this is why I say if we go down into a city for a while we maybe are interested absorbed in our senses absorbing all the new sights and sounds but then after a while if we're used to living in the forest then after a while the city becomes very tiring even confusing or distracting it's all the effects of the senses on the mind we see the relationship between the peace of mind the sense of peace and calm between the senses how we're using them mindfulness and then wisdom the investigation of the impressions we're receiving through our senses how well we're doing how much we're receiving if we do practice sense restraint and being careful and then it supports the mind turning inwards the mind tends to go out through the senses all the time if there's no mindfulness, no wisdom and that's the cause, cause of so much suffering and confusion, agitation, distraction. As we practice sense restraint and we're learning to turn that attention back inwards, looking at the mind itself more. And this is the heart of practice, getting used to looking back at yourself, what you are, a human being, body and mind. Central strength just helps to limit the amount of distraction, the amount of the outgoing nature, the outgoing energy of the mind, so that we can start to look at ourselves, start to calm down. Helps to limit the that which feeds the hindrances, in the kilesas that arise through sense contact, the liking and the disliking the views, the opinions, the different states of mind which we call hindrances sense contact supports the reduction of the hindrances and bringing out mindfulness so that we can see hindrances as hindrances see kilesa as kilesa the mind is not mindful then often we don't even see any kalesa arising it's there but we don't even notice it it's so fast and overtakes the mind but when you practice mindfulness you're becoming clear and keeping in touch with your own mind and what's going on as it's sensing the world 
you see in the development of meditation the hindrances start to be manageable, more manageable if you're practicing sense restraint you're not feeding different desires and aversions not turning your mind to unskillful, unwholesome mental objects not getting so caught up in the craving that arises based on that sense contact also starts to give rise to wisdom as you contemplate your sense contact and the hindrances that arise from it it gives rise to wisdom you start to see the uncertainty of the mind see how it jumps around the reactions that we experience are uncertain, unpredictable (coughs) if you're practicing mindfulness and investigating this you can see on any day or over a period of days different kinds of sense contact bring up different reactions for the mind sometimes something you like one day the next day you feel more neutral towards or even dislike another on another occasion could be a person or a certain experience food or weather feelings of tiredness and so on sometimes we feel at ease or peaceful with our sense contact sometimes it stirs up emotions of liking disliking practice of mindfulness sense restraint and then just watching and learning it starts to reveal that and you realize oh it's not sure not certain this is how Ajahn Chah said to use wisdom the wisdom of vipassana and start seeing the anicca of our own reactions to sense contact our expectations sometimes we hope for pleasure from sense contact but we don't get it not sure sometimes pleasant things come out of the blue not sure sometimes we get displeasure or unpleasant experiences not sure some days all the sense contact all the conditions the impressions we're getting are very good and still we're unhappy inside other days we're challenged there's lots of stressful sense contact and yet we can still remain calm and at ease inside not sure uncertain and this is the way we learn starting to practice mindfulness restraining the senses and also contemplating them and the reactions we get Sometimes the mind is peaceful, sometimes it's agitated, it's not sure. Even when the mind is agitated, you're trying to practice mindfulness, whatever posture, you're even just making the effort to bring up mindfulness, awareness, and maybe contemplate what's going on. It's, it's such a wholesome, karmic condition conditioning force in the mind it's such a 
has such a good effect on the mind even when we don't seem to be very peaceful and the mind's agitated but just trying to bring up mindfulness and reflect clearly on one's experience and see its true nature this is a very very powerful good karmic conditioning force we have to keep reminding ourselves that evenness of practice isn't about evenness of results or evenness of the sense impressions we're receiving it's not that everything is always going to be blissful or easy smooth it's an evenness of effort to keep coming back to the fundamentals of practice the sense restraint mindfulness reflecting on what's arising whether it's wholesome unwholesome letting go of the unwholesome bringing up the wholesome it's that effort and to keep coming back to the practice that makes the practice even and smooth but the actual sense impressions and the states of mind we experience aren't always going to be even and smooth we have to learn how to deal with them skillfully this is the noble effort of the noble path better to make that effort than not do anything at all Ajahn Chah compared it to eating food he said it's better to have a meal of just plain rice and you're going bindabat on Tudong somewhere and all you get is plain rice no curry, no sweet, no fruit still better to have the plain rice than no food at all meditation and practice is like that it's better to be practicing and trying to bring up mindfulness even if your mind is agitated and confused than to not do anything at all it's already very wholesome there's a very nurturing effect on the mind just making the effort as far as the results go they just wait and see they come by themselves in their own way in their own time often very subtle If we keep coming back to reflect on it's not sure then it makes it makes the mind very active and starts to reflect active in a good way a wholesome way it starts to reflect and just sing mm, not sure experiences we have the moods we have come and go what is not sure what is uncertain or what is impermanent is no real basis for happiness so it must be dukkha it's not stable not lasting or enduring no real refuge so have these different sense impressions giving different <clears throat> mental reactions different mental states and different experiences we're having <clears throat> come up and they're not sure and we can see well they're also dukkha what is dukkha is anatta they're not really us or anything that we can cling to or hold on to as a self they're just conditions of mind that come through their own causes if 
if you keep reflecting on <clears throat> the fact that it's not sure, uncertain, whatever comes up in the mind, whatever the mental state, whatever the feeling, whatever the perception is not sure, then you're also seeing dukkha and atara at the same time. And the mind trusts more in just in its own innate wisdom that you're training here, just the ability to know experience as it is without grasping at it or making anything out of it. We don't get caught, so caught up into the labeling or giving names to everything. You know, I feel good, I feel bad, I feel happy, I feel sad, I feel pain, I feel pleasure. In the sense of I and creating something out of every sense impression, every experience fades. The craving that feeds it starts to fade under the power of mindfulness and investigation of Dhamma in Dhamma Vichya, Sati, Dhamma Vichya, Anita, Viriya, and Piti. You keep practicing. The more you do this, the more the mind becomes free from its old habit of always identifying as a self with every feeling, every sense impression, every thought in creating something out of it. The mind doesn't keep doing that so much. It starts to settle backward, take a backward step, become more dispassionate because craving is fading away. Craving is extinguished. So it's like a fire going out. It cools down. The mind becomes cooler even though the sense impressions might sometimes still be quite extreme. Even the mental states we experience, the reactions come up extreme. But if we bring up mindfulness and investigate them in time, in touch, keep in touch with them, keep abreast of them, then it cools the mind very quickly. And the better we do it, and the quicker the mind cools down because craving is being extinguished like a fire going out. The lust and greed, anger, delusion, these are the fires that can go out with establishing mindfulness and contemplating. And you can see it in so many different ways when you practice mindfulness of your sense contact through your day and just give yourself enough space just to do it properly. You say you have some desire for a certain kind of food or drink come up. You can see the desire, you can see the agitation in the mind, but you just establish mindfulness and watch rather than following it immediately. Maybe just watch, don't indulge it yet, don't act on it. And that desire can just pass away, it goes to extinction. You're seeing craving extinguished before your very eyes or before your mind with mindfulness. You're seeing something go out. And there's a sense of release there. You're no longer identifying with that. You may come back another day, another situation, but at least you're learning what the process of extinction of craving is. And of course, the more you experience that, then the more you experience the ending of attachment this craving is no longer feeding attachment. So 
the likelihood, the chance of further craving arising is always diminishing, getting less and less, and being replaced with mindfulness and wisdom. <coughs> and we can do this in every posture. This is the evenness of practice. Every posture is contemplate what's going on in the mind, the sense impressions coming up, the reactions, what the mind is making out of them. How it creates a self. I like this, don't like this. I want this, don't want that. I'm happy, not happy. Projects and creates a self in the future. What I want to do, want to get, where I want to go. In the past, how I was, what I did. I was good, I was bad in the past. And in the present we can observe the mind creating self and creating suffering, you know, where there's self, where there's craving and attachment and self arising, well there's going to be suffering. And if you keep applying the method of practice at that point, observing how the self and craving arises and the self arises, you'll see also how it leads to suffering. And then if you can see the path of practice of leading abandoning craving, letting it just go to extinction, fading away. Sense of self extinguishes, then the suffering extinguishes. Whether it's something very small or something very big. You're developing right view and understanding in this way. And this is where the you know, Dhamma Sati, Dhamma Vichya, Viriya Piti, Pasati, Samadhi, Upeka arise over and over again as a pattern in the mind. One becomes more energetic in doing it. One gains more endurance and patience through the practice to deal with all the different sense impressions that come our way. The mind is not so easily toppled, overwhelmed by sense impressions is more able to stand up for itself and observe things as they are. So we can carry on practicing tonight, it's the one prat. We have opportunity to practice together. And for the coming days and weeks and months, carry on practicing. We still have our excellent opportunity with all the support of the lay community, quiet forest, suitable conditions to practice. If we take these fundamental principles of practice and keep applying them, using them, using the uh, the wisdom that the Buddha Ajahn Chah gave to us, and then we can only benefit and our families, the people who support us can only benefit from this. I'll leave these words with you for your reflection tonight.